The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I'm Tanya Weiser. This is Bruni Davila. That's a beautiful way to say her name, right? I can't say it quite that way. I know. Turn your mic on, Bruni. Here we are. Yeah, I'm Bruni Davila. And um, very happy to be here tonight and happy to see you. So uh, my first question is um, last... Last week, um, the topic was the hindrance of doubt. Anybody have um, any experience with any hindrances this last week, or with doubt in particular, or insights that you're willing to to share? It's more of an observation. Um, the I think someone stated it last week, but I've kind of internalized it as the two different types of doubt that we were talking about. And and I I encaps I think it's kind of if your doubt has kind of a curiosity factor. If you're if you're thinking in doubt and it's leading towards like an evaluation, then that's healthy doubt. And then, but doubt for doubt's sake or just or like fixation of doubt is unhealthy doubt in terms of just that's kind of that's kind of helped me kind of differentiate the two and I I've tried to be more mindful of that of is this doubt because I'm evaluating or is this doubt just because it just feels comfortable or just like I'm just doubting for doubt's sake. Great. Yeah. Thank you. What about in the homework, um, people were invited to notice where they felt confidence because the antidote to doubt is confidence. Did anybody notice um, any moments of feeling some confidence in the Dharma and the practice or in yourself and your capacity to do this? Um, I've been at this for... About ninety days or something like that. So I don't know. I, I mean, pretty much every time I meditate, I, I feel kind of confident. It just it makes mm-hmm. me feel really good. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, nice. I haven't really had a whole lot of in terms of doubt. I mean, it's like like Lewis was saying, um, the bad type that, that you were characterizing. I, I haven't really noticed a whole lot of that. Um, so great. It's very helpful to be confident, you know, and and I think one thing that does bring us confidence is that um, when we sit down to practice, it can help us feel better, right? We can have some sense of clarity that opens up or some sense of peace or, and that that, if we notice that and we appreciate that, that really can help us build our confidence in the practice and the, the usefulness of it. So I'm glad you're having... Good experiences. So far, so good. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. great. Can you pass the mic that way? As far as confidence, I think um, 
I've been only doing this for like nine months, but I feel like I know now that it's going to take me about five minutes to to mm. settle my mind, um, mm. and then I'll I'll be on my on my way, so to speak. Beautiful. So you're you're seeing over time. Beautiful. Um, I feel that whenever I am experiencing one of the hindrances and recognizing that that I am experiencing it I think it's kind of skillful too Um, but I always resort back to my breath and once I start breathing Mm -hmm. whether that the hindrance makes sense or not it just kind of comes back and everything just kind of cools out and I just I just go back to my breath great yeah Uh, the curiosity piece gives, I think, is a source of confidence for me. If I can get in that frame of mind, then I'm going to be kind of curious about what happens, rather than kind of buying into it. That seems to give me more confidence. Hmm. So I'm like, wow, look at that come up, rather than sort of buying into it. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. So I'm hearing people noticing that just the just by sitting there's a benefit and that helps with the confidence i'm hearing bringing curiosity into the experience of things arising it just really changes the dynamic and and um lightens the mood and helps um with the situation and recognizing the presence of a hindrance is helpful it, just that in itself can um sort of get you untangled and then allow the the awareness to go back to the breathing when the time is right and recognizing that there might be skillful doubt or useful doubt or um, versus unhelpful doubt and how do you differentiate between those two and know when um, maybe it's time to, sh- to shift how you're relating to, to what's happening in the mind. Is that right? Did I, did I miss anything? Those are wonderful, wonderful reflections. Yeah. So um, the I'm really appreciating um, the engagement and um, the importance of you know knowing and recognizing doubt so that it doesn't undermine your confidence, so it doesn't undermine your practice. So this is one of the reasons we chose to do this hindrance first, which typically is done last. Um, and so I'm glad to be hearing the confidence, and I hope that you will continue to, to notice when you have good effects, notice when you have good benefit, um, and, and uh, trust your practice. Yeah. So the, just for those of you who maybe aren't that familiar, the five hindrances, I'll just list them. Um, are typically they're presented in the following order. So the first one is usually um, greed or desire, the, the wanting something, this wanting more of, or wanting to keep something. The second, um, the opposite of the first is aversion or ill will, not wanting, so wanting to get rid of something. Uh, the third is um, sloth and torpor, so having 
a lack of energy. It's like very low energy, um, lack of awareness, um, sort of a dullness, right? The dullness. Um, restlessness and worry. So the opposite of sloth and torpor in terms of energy, there's extra energy. There's too much energy <coughs> in the body, in the mind, right? And, and then doubt being the last one. So they say there's five of them, but um, two of them are paired. So there's actually more, but they're paired more in the sense of um, restlessness and worry. You might think of as the experience of it in the body is restless. The experience of it in the mind is worry, mm-hmm. right? Sloth and torpor. The experience in the body is sloth-like, right? Just, oh, hard to move. And in the mind, it's like the mind doesn't move, right? It's just like, oh, thick, very, very thick. So another way to think about these is the way that they affect the mind. If you think about the mind as... Um, some place that you can use to see, to reflect, to have insight. That a mirror, perhaps, or a pond. And the way that the hindrance affects the water, desire affects the water by dyeing it, coloring it, maybe changing it to something bright crimson. So that as you look into the water, what you see there is affected and changed by the color of the tone. So you don't get an accurate picture of what's really going on. It changes things, right? It's often the impact of desire. We want something and we look at it and it just seems so perfect, right? And the impact of um, ill will on the water metaphor is of like boiling water, right? It's hot and steamy. It's dangerous, right? Ill will is painful, and you can't see anything because the water is just boiling, right? It's really unclear. A sloth and torpor is like a pond that is covered with green algae, right? Thick and dense and hard to move through and you can't really see through. And the mind that is um, like a pond with restlessness and worry is like a pond with wind blowing the water, disrupting the surfaces, right? So nothing is still enough to see a reflection. And doubt is like muddy, thick, really no clarity Mm. in the dark. And those are the five hindrances. And now Bruni will introduce the one for tonight. Okay. So, Tanya just gave us a very simple definition of ill will or aversion. A simple way to to remember it. And is that it's a desire that does not want something. It's completely opposite to sensual desire. It does not want something. It pushes away. Aversion, ill will, pushes away. Um, and um, it, is a, it, it is a compulsive desire. It is a, a mental force that blocks our ability to remain mindful 
our ability to to be free, to to be present. Um, so yeah, so like Tanya said, uh, ill will and desire—they're like opposite opposite desires. And tonight we're going to be talking about ill will. So the motivation of it is hostility. And the way in which it manifests is by wanting to strike out something or wanting to hurt or attack um, or pushing away, as I said, or turning away from something. And there's a whole spectrum, a, a range of, of all these different manifestations um, in terms of the level of intensity, there could be very subtle movements in the mind of, you know, wanting to to avoid something. Sometimes we don't even notice. Um, but it may be a, a form of aversion, um, a form of ill will. And this word aversion, <coughs> let me say something here because it's a little different from this other word, ill will. The aversion, when we use that that word, it means, uh, it refers to a strong dislike. So um, it's it's a strong dislike. However, there may be some times in which out of care, out of of self-care, we may want to um, avoid something out of kindness or out of, again out of uh, self care so in other words, the motivation will not be hostility, but it will be more taking care of oneself and in that moment um, it's not it's not a hindrance it's, this aversion is is a healthy aversion uh, when we 're talking about take, you know, uh, avoiding something because of wanting to take care of ourselves or out of kindness. Um, so the motivation is key. What is behind, um, what is being manifested is key. So, um, you know, like with, with these and other hindrances, <coughs> our hearts constrict, our minds constrict, it gets narrow, it gets tight in the mind. And um, it can also, uh, for ill will, it can also predispose us into staying concentrated or focused in whatever we see that is wrong. So I don't know, let's suppose, you know, you came into the room and you saw something that, you know, like, oh, I I don't know if this is how it's supposed to work. So we stay there. We stay concentrated then in looking at what is not working. And so it narrows. It narrows our perspective on how we see things ill will. When we are under the influence of it, when we're like really in it, 
it we can we we can notice that there may be reactivity that there may be impulses going on us acting out of impulses um, the the discomfort of you know maybe noticing that there is that that ill will or or that aversion may create more aversion there may be a, at some point that we feel so uncomfortable with it that then we started feeling uncomfortable about feeling uncomfortable so in other words um it's like aversion will perpetuates the aversion itself um and then they're very extreme you know there may be even more extreme cases extreme cases where the the hindrance is so strong that we're pushing so much away that we may feel alienated, we may feel isolated, and we may be having difficulty connecting, connecting with others. So how do we practice with it? I mean, it sounds like, my gosh, I don't know. I mean, this is strong. It's like avoiding, pushing away. Then how am I going to be practicing with it if I'm going to be pushing it away? Well, um, you know, it's the, the, it, we will do the same, kind of the same thing that we do with the other hindrances. We become familiar with it. We notice when it comes up, we notice when it, it goes away. We become familiar so that we can understand it. We can feel it in the body. How does it feel? How does it taste? No matter how much you're pushing away, but what is, what is your, your, your state of mind and how does it feel in the body at that point? So we become familiar with it. Um, one way in which we can practice, um, there are different ways in depending on the intensity, but one way is we can shift our attention away of the hindrance. Let's suppose that you know, we're feeling this strong sense of pushing away um, or a very strong sense of aversion. We will shift our attention to something else until we can come back and experience it more. So it's just looking a little bit of stability. If it is too much, you know, we can sense it, look at it. Okay, then if it is still there and it's, it's still growing, okay, well, let me just take a moment and shift my attention to something and I come back to it later. And the way in which we do it is we do it in a non-reactive way. <clears throat> in a way that uh, we're not in conflict. We're not, you know, it's, it's like really taking your place. I am here. I see you. It's like turning your face and looking in the eye. Okay, what is going on? This is what is being noticed. Um, just standing there with dignity, if, if, at some, if at that point is possible. And what that does is that it supports our mindfulness. It supports our determination to, to see what is going on, to become familiar with it, uh, with the hindrance. <clears throat> and also we nourish patience. 
and uh, we nourish the the stability, stability of mind. Um, and you can see that all those wholesome qualities then will also support your confidence, your confidence in the practice. Now, if you're caught up in, like Tanya was talking about, this a moment of being like in the heat of, in, in the in the feeling that boiling sen- sensation, that, you know, boiling water in the pond that Tanya talked about. We can, again, we can, we can look at something else, but with the intention of creating other conditions that will help us cultivate stability of mind. Um, you know, once you create it, you know, that will help lessen the hindrance. Um, and there's always a good, you know, you can take a break. You can definitely remove yourself from putting your full attention into the hindrance and then um, looking for an antidote um, if it is extremely strong. So there are different ways to practice with it depending on the intensity with it. And in those cases where it's so strong that you say this is it, I'm going to do something else. Um, there's, there's one way to practice, and is practicing loving kindness. And, and Tanya will talk about that. Um, now, one, one thing that I think that is very important to mention, when we talk about shifting your attention to cultivate other conditions to come back to the ill will, or removing yourself completely to practice loving kindness and then again come back in another time. I am not talking about ignoring ill will. I'm not talking about, okay, I'm going to put it, push it on a side. I don't want to know anything about it. That's not, that's not what, what, that's not the intention. That's not what I'm talking about. We acknowledge this. There's a recognition. There's a knowing of what is going on. And all these different types of practices, you do them so that you can then come back to what you already know that is happening. So just to finalize, (coughs) just to finish, like with the other hindrances, um, ill will is not a personal failing. It's not, you know, like it's, it's not who we are. You know, so the judgment and the criticism, it may not be something that may help us at that point. It's just part of the human experience. We go, we all go through it. Um, So with that, I'm going to pass it to Tanya for... Great. I want to say... Her comments. (laughs) I want to say something about... um, the shifting of attention. Yes. Um, so, <clears throat> one of the things about ill will is that if we are upset about something, right? Say somebody has done something and we're hurt, 
and we're angry. And so if we keep looking at the thing that we're upset about, the event, the story, it's very easy to have the ill will kind of build on itself. And we start to remember other situations and other people and other times and it kind of grows. Mm -hmm. So one shift is to not look at the story part, but to shift and turn and look at how does it feel right here to have the ill will in my body. So that is another, not just shifting away from ill will, but shifting what, what you're looking at within the experience from the story to the experience and impact of having those thoughts on you in that moment so that you can go, oh, <laughs> this doesn't feel very good, right? And, and there's something that can really change right in that moment right because we Mm -hmm. can connect with the sense of harming to ourselves and compassion can naturally arise when we see that and it's not anymore about this other person and what they've done to us but on what we're what's happening to us in this moment so i just wanted to add that as a subtle way of shifting your awareness um within the, you know, with, with the ill will. So, <coughs> excuse me, we've had a few people come in. I want to invite you to join the circle. We can move out a little bit, and we're going to do a guided meditation practice. So if anybody wants to, you know, adjust where you're sitting, you can sit on the floor or change your posture. So if we could make the cir- circle a little bigger and... <coughs> And there are handouts for tonight, so if you came in late, um, please feel free to um, pick up one of the handouts. There's some in the middle of the floor. And for people listening online, it'll be um, also posted with the talk at some point, so... So just finding a comfortable posture for yourself. Just taking a moment to check in and notice how you're feeling right here and right now. Just giving yourself a a few minutes here to establish your awareness. Establish your connection to your present moment experience of breathing and being a body and having sensations and just pausing with this for a moment here.
And just sort of taking a look around in your mind. And I'm going to invite you to bring to mind a simple or easy experience of having ill will. What kinds of things do you tend to want to push away or turn away from? And really just see if you can allow a simple, smaller example arise in the mind. Could be stepping on gum, you know. It could be seeing someone who's homeless that can bring up a feeling of wanting to turn away. Could be the way someone chews their food too loud. Something that feels reasonable for you to work with in this period of meditation. So the first step in the Bella practice is to be Be in the presence of the hindrance. Get to know it well. Reminding yourself that feeling ill will or aversion is not a personal failing. It's just an ordinary part of life. Notice how you feel being in the presence of ill will. Is there aversion to the aversion? Simply noting aversion or ill will to acknowledge the presence. And as you're ready, sensing more deeply into the experience of ill will, feeling more of the impact on the body, feeling the ill will physically. Where do you feel it in your body? 
noticing areas of tightness or discomfort. This is the examine, the E of Bella. Noticing what, if anything, the mind is fixating on. Are there beliefs that justify or encourage? Stories? And with real curiosity, does the aversion have a purpose? What is its job? What is its role? Is there some belief that it's here to protect us? That it will benefit benefit us in some way? If it feels possible, the next step in this process is to lessen it. And first, just seeing if being attentive but non-reactive, being a solid presence in its company, noticing if this has an effect on its lessening or growing. Can you stand, sit, be with ill will? And as you're standing and being with this, can you relax the body and the mind? If you feel that this ill will is too strong and not receding for you, not lessening, consider shifting your awareness, shifting your attention from the object to the experience of ill will, or shifting your mind toward the breath instead of the experience of ill will. could also consider the personal costs of holding 
on to the ill will, the anger, the aversion. See if you can fortify your resolve and your patience, your determination, and the stability of the mind and the body. I will be here. Noticing if there's a lessening. And when you're ready, you can think about the next L in the Bella, which is to let go. One of the ways that we might need to think about letting go is by actually thinking about how to directly address the underlying roots or the causes of this feeling, this frustration. Are there frustrated desires? Are there fixed views or beliefs? Are there fears or hurts that are fueling this ill will? Are there things that we can work on to reduce the likelihood of finding ourselves here over and over again? Sometimes letting go happens with the body relaxing, cultivating calmness. You might try saying these words to your own self with the inhale, breathing in, I calm my body. And with the exhale, breathing out, I calm my mind. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I calm my mind. Releasing any unnecessary tension, anything that's unneeded. We can take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha. 
it will maybe arising, but we have the Dharma, we have this community, we have our practice to support us. may be helpful also to remember acts of kindness or goodwill. Metta or loving kindness practice can be offered first for ourselves and then maybe even for the person or people that we're upset with might go something like this. May I be safe. May I be safe from ill will, myself and my own body, heart and mind. May I be truly happy, freed from this hostility. May I feel healthy and strong and bind in body. May I be at ease. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be at ease. And you may or may not feel free to offer these phrases to the object of your aversion. So you could say either, may I come to feel and wish safety for this being. Or you may be able to naturally just feel the sense of wanting whoever it is that's a trouble for you for them to be safe. May they be safe. May they be happy. May they be healthy. May they be at ease. And the final step of the Bella practice is the A, and that is appreciating the lessening or appreciating the absence of the ill will. Noticing what it feels like to have it lessen or to have it gone. And appreciate the tenderness of the heart when we are more open, more relaxed, more at ease. So in this moment, in this final moment of the meditation, in the silence I offer you, I invite you to breathe in deeply to any small or large space that has been created by the lessening of any hindrance. Allowing that ease, that relaxation, that freedom to be fully breathed into, experienced, and felt.
So take a moment to just reflect on your journey with the Bella practice. Notice what feels important to you. What was helpful or useful to you. Right? So the Bella practice, the idea is to first see, to recognize, and be with, to stand with whatever's present, right? So be. And then when we're fully embodied in that, we can shift into examining more, in a more detailed way, the experience in the body in particular. And the arising, what kind of drove or fed the arising of this hindrance. And then the L to lessen, right? To start to help ourselves relax and shift in our relationship. And then to let go as much as we're able to. And then to appreciate the letting go to appreciate the absence, whatever amount it has dissipated. So that's the Bella practice. And I'd like to open it up to people to share um, any comments or questions they have about having worked with ill will now for a solid 15 minutes. What did you observe? What did you learn Where's your curiosity? What can you share? Please use the mics. Um, I really liked your guidance through the meditation. I thought that was really helpful. But I have a couple of questions. Um, one is, <laughs> what if you know <laughs> you're, you're doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable and you keep doing it? <laughs> you do that too? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Yeah. And, and, and maybe this is along the same lines. Um, the first handout that we got the first day describing Bell, I think under let go, it says, okay, well, once you understand the hindrance. Yeah. Well, how, what, how do you know if you've understood it? Okay. Well, so there's two things that come up for me. And the first one is to say that what I find is um, that it's by, by using your awareness bringing your awareness, your attention to knowing what's happening, right? The recognition, I am experiencing ill will right now and it feels like this. And I can see that and I can feel it at the same time that the mind starts to grow wisdom, if I'm really clear and understand that it's this ill will 
that is causing this pain in my body. Right? You with me? Okay. After a while, I get sick of it. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And so it might be that I have to do it in this way many times. But after a while, it's like stubbing your toe too many times. You, are, you start to just know not to hit your toe there, right? And that's the, the letting go starts to just happen because you're learning. Wisdom is now growing. Is that help? Okay. Thank you. Please. I want to add that um, part of that wisdom is also what uh, Tanya mentioned about um, understanding what is beneath. What is, you know, if there's a frustrated desire, if there's something that needs care, that needs to be attended, um, sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not easy sometimes to get to the bottom of things, you know. Um, I guess my question's kind of maybe two questions, but when, when you get your, let's say when, when you're actually meditating and some instance of ill will comes up and you understand how your body feels, but you, you're, you want to go to that part of the Bella thing where you, where you're examining what's the underlying cause of this particular ill will, um, how do you examine it without kind of replaying the commentary and going over and over to that again in your mind? Um, or is that something you're supposed to do after you're done meditating? Um, I don't get when you do it. Great question. Do you want to answer it, Bernie? Well, there's... Um what comes to mind is when we talk about examining, there's some questions, you know, that we can, we can go through just as we're beginning, uh, we're getting used to this meditation. What does it feel like? What is the energy? What are the physical sensations? Um, and then as we start answering those questions, uh, we may start getting like a taste of, of what it is, what is going on, instead of searching for a cause. It would, it, the, the understanding, the wisdom will come when we look at all these different ways in which the hindrance may, uh, may manifest in the body, in the mind, and through your um, you know, emotions. Um, do you want to add anything? Inherent in your question is the risk of overthinking and overanalyzing, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, first of all, kudos to you for asking the question, right? And, And that this is wisdom at work. And so, 
sometimes we can sort of just drop in and go, what's underneath this for me? And an answer will just kind of come to the surface, like something floating to the top of water. Other times, we're going down and we're digging in the mud and we're pulling. And when we're doing that, we're just probably stirring up way too much muck that nothing's going to be able to get really clear. So noticing what is the impact of your questioning? Is there sort of a settling and a clarity? Or is there a like, I got to get to the bottom of this and you just sort of, you're stirring and so that in itself will give you an answer about, okay, I, I don't know, but there's something here that's clearly going on, and may, I, may it come clear to me. At that point, I would let go of trying to kind of um, do the digging. So it's more of a passive investigation, so to speak. An invitational investigation, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, like sort of dropping in or allowing something to rise up and, um, but yeah, you don't want to get all heady and thinky in your meditation. Right. <laughs> How do you like those words? <laughs> Makes sense to me. Okay. Thanks. So one thing that, that came up from, is this working? Yes. Okay. I just can't hear myself. Okay. Um, so one thing that I noticed is, and this is something that I've worked on previous to this, not just thing, but it came up again tonight, is that when I'm focusing on like the avoidance or ill will or, or just being mad at another human being based on something that they've done or what have you, that majority of the things that people do that make me mad or whatever aren't about me. And a lot of them just come out of the other person's fear or insecurities or just they're trying to do their own best and it conflicts with mine or whatever. And in many cases, those this, the fear is the same fear that I have. And like, how can I stay mad at somebody who's scared of the same things as me? And it just, it just kind of lessens that way as well. Just. Yeah. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah. Definitely. My my observation in, in the session was, was uh, focusing on ill will actually was how quickly my mind actually went to it, like the certainty of the pattern of it. And, uh, yeah, actually enjoying it. That's, <laughs> that's the, because it was a narrative of, like, like, it was so comfortable because I've said, like, these things so many times, right? And then feeling vindicated or like, you know. So that was actually my initial reaction. And I could feel like the furrowing of my brow and the tightness in my chest. Like, and like, like it was like, 
an old pattern and it fit really, really well, right? <clears throat> and I found it particularly useful in the guidance of actually the introducing of the questions of find the undercurrent of what it was and, and then the gentler feeling of, of actually resentment of some circumstances of what I actually had in it. And that was um, so that so that helped in the in the softening of it and kind of questioning it. But it was just, but it, it's surprising about ill will about just the nature of it could be really, yeah, almost like kind of addicting or like you know just kind of replaying this 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 thing that you've done to me and just like and 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 almost narrating of how I've told this to other people and like almost repeating the same thing. So that, that was my observation. Observations. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's a uh, intoxicating. Right. It can be intoxicating. And that's um one indication you're under the influence of a hindrance is <laughs> 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 that sort of sense of intoxication, this disconnection from you know, really being here, really being present. Yeah. I have something that um, uh, is a question and then also something that was a realization. And I'll start with the question. Um, or I don't know if it's a, I'm not sure the question, but it's a struggle. I, I'm having a hard time feeling the difference between the hindrance of aversion from what I'm averting, uh, feel, feeling aversion towards. So the the object of that's uncomfortable and the experience of not wanting that it's like I, I think it's like wallpaper plaster it's like I can't separate them out you use I can't feel the difference in my body between these two things that's so great yeah I love that do you want to answer Bernie? I I, I think that in some ways there was a little bit of, of an answer in what you in what you described, in in terms of um, seeing that there's you know that 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 there is that aversion that is felt towards the object, and then the aversion that is that is you know um, of coming out from feeling that aversion, and some sometimes. It is confusing. Sometimes it's, it's hard to distinguish. But as we become familiar in that exploration, um, it becomes clear. It, it becomes clear. Um, I will say it takes time. It, it does take time to really see what it is. You know, when we, at, at some point, we just... Um, really turning there's there in my experience there have been some times in which I am under the belief that I completely turned my attention into what is the experience of ill will here in the body and you know within myself And and suddenly I realize, oh, I'm still there's a little there's a very subtle way in which I'm still clinging to that object or 
um, it's not clear. It's, it's not clear that I, I, I have stopped looking at the object and looking at what is the experience inside of me. I would add um, to ask what would happen if I didn't think that this was wrong. So let's say I step on gum. And I have a belief that people are really, they really need to not throw their gum on the ground. (laughs) That it's really a um, a bad thing and that it's so simple and people really should put their gum in a wrapper and put it in the garbage can. Right? So this is a belief I have. It's a value I have. Right? And so when I step on gum... I, that belief comes up, if people just did what they were supposed to do, I have this fueling, right, the fact that I stepped on gum. If I can go, why? That is, like, who am I? Why is my, what if that's not true? What if people are going to do what they're going to do with their gum? I can, if I can see the change in that view, that belief, if I could buy into for a minute, some people are fine with that. It's not a big deal. It can change then all of a sudden the object that I'm mad at, right? The gum, some, the person that put the gum on the ground, <laughs> that no longer is there anymore. And I'm just left with the ill will. Does that make sense? And sometimes some, playing with it a little bit like that can help you find sort of the difference between them. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. I think that it's partly for me, it's that the aversion to to a sense of internal distress is Mm. so strong Mm. that then the distress or the... uh, Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's just like I can't separate them. I don't don't want this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I would just say to that that um, see if you can play with I don't want this and I care. I don't want this, it hurts and I care that it hurts. So that you're subtly shifting from just a place of trying to get rid of this feeling to caring that this feeling is here. And that it's hard, it's hard, and I care, and it's painful, and I know I don't want it, and I care that that's hard too. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Okay. So, shall we shift? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Liz, um, it will be nice to now have give you some time to have some discussion about all these um, in, in small groups. So we want to form groups of three. Um, each person is going to have two minutes to answer the question I'm going to give to you. And the other two people are going to listen. No crosstalk, just to give that gift of listening just to be fully present, listening to the other person. And the person who is speaking um, will, will speak. This is, this is for you. This is for you to, to listen to also to yourself, to speak of your experience. 
it doesn't you don't you don't have to speak uh, to give anything you know to make it perfect for anyone else or anything like that it's just for you to listen and to to share what it is what is your experience in in talking about the following question the question is what role does ill will have in your life what role does ill will have in your life and how strong does ill will or aversion operate for you what beliefs do you have that support your aversion and what do you believe about yourself or others that tends to result in aversion others discussing the effect of aversion and ill will and its role in your life how was it to listen to yourself and others talking about it and see checking for the answer within yourself we're not going to go into um out loud sharing but just for you to know to check in how it was for you So we are coming to the end of our evening together. And um, maybe before, I'm just going to do a very brief guided metta practice before we end. But maybe you can do a little metta in your group right now and thank the people that you're with. And um, just share a word or two to describe um, how you were affected by this time together. So just go ahead and, you know, just briefly thanking, appreciating, and sharing a word or two about the effect. Okay, so let's take now another moment for ourselves. So take a posture, just stay where you are, it's fine. Just find a posture of being upright, of being attentive, of caring, of listening. Take a deep breath in. And these are some unusual metaphrases I'll offer for you and you can repeat them silently to yourself if you wish. 
The door to my heart is open to all of me. The door to my heart is open to all of me. I allow myself happiness. I allow myself peace. I have goodwill toward myself. Enough goodwill to let myself become peaceful and to bliss out in this last minute. May the benefit of this practice be of benefit to all. May the doors to our hearts be open to all of us. May we allow each other happiness. May we allow each other peace. May we have goodwill toward each other. Enough goodwill to let each other be peaceful and at ease. Thank you for your practice.